and he's very dedicated. Hanuman has come to earth just to serve Ram. Hanuman is so devoted to Ram that he is like your breath is to your body. He is known as the breath of Ram. He lives so close that he is an example of the way in which when you totally dedicated yourself to God, you have all the powers to serve, to do everything that you need to do, as you will see in a minute. Welcome, everyone, to another Ram Das Here and Now episode. I'm Jackie Dobrinska, your host, and you, you are the Ram Das community, this sacred group of people with your hearts and minds and compasses turned towards compassion, discernment, and awakening. It's really nice to be together through time and space. Today, we dive into episode 224. It's the story of Hanuman and the Ramayana, part one. So if you don't know, Ram Das was named in honor of the monkey god Hanuman, who was a devotee and best friend of Ram. So this story of Ram and Sita and Hanuman and others is part of an ancient Indian scripture called the Ramayana. It is attributed to Valmiki and is dated to around 500 to 100 BCE. So in today's episode, we get this really lovely treat of hearing Ram Das tell us one small part of the Ramayana. And it's a really big part of his tradition. So you might wonder, why do people recite and listen to this great scripture? And, you know, as you listen to it, you might wonder, like, how do we make sense of this from our Western mind? Well, I probably can't answer those questions for you, but I can tell you a little bit from what others who have a lot more knowledge have to say about it. So they say that the Ramayana contains a spiritual power and reading or listening to it will imbue some of that same spiritual essence to the reader or listener. They also say that it transmits the power of the Gayatri Mantra, which is a 24-syllable mantra known as the mother of all mantras, um, as well as the power of the Vedas. So that may or may not mean anything to you. But coming from another angle, for eons, humans have sat around fires and we told stories. And most of those stories were myths and mythology, and they, they contained important information for the collective. Um, they helped us understand archetypal energies, and they just plain inspired us. Um, Martine Proctel says, you don't write stories down because then they become dead. Instead, you share them, you tell them, you even read them aloud to one another because then they're alive. And so that's sort of what we're doing here. We're bringing a story alive. We're listening to this incredible ancient scripture that has wisdom about loyalty and friendship and devotion and selflessness and dharma. And I hope it inspires us. So again, uh, this was recorded in 1989, and it's just part one, so there will be more coming soon. Um, part of this also, I think, is about living with heart. You know, we all know about mindfulness, um, but what about heartfulness? I think it's really common in our culture to feel this sort of disconnection from our heart, to feel sort of hard or dry in the heart. Ramdas even talks about it. I mean, it's a tough world in many ways, and I think many of us 
come from sort of these deficiency models Ram Dass talked about, uh, where we somehow come to this belief that we're somehow not whole or we have to bootstrap our way into becoming better instead of really resting in that incredible essence that we glimpse at times. Um, but you know who spent a lifetime developing authentic heartfulness? Ramdas. I mean, he experimented with psychotherapy, psychedelics, and spirituality to find a way to consistently tap into that force of love and that space of heartfulness. And by doing so, he, he kind of changed the culture. And so what Love, Serve, Remember has done is we've sort of taken the essence of those practices and we've put them into a course called the Yoga of Heartfulness. If you're interested in just exploring it, we have a free call coming up on May 1st. It's with me and Raghu Marcus and Ramdev, aka Dale Borglum. Um, and we'll just be sort of really unpacking what heartfulness means and some of the practices you can do. And um, you can join that call and or just join the four-week course that starts May 15th. And it includes over 10 hours of lectures and practices from Ram Dass and Jack Kornfield and Sharon Salzberg and some others. And then we have four live classes with Mirabai Star, Krishna Das, Nina Rao, and Jay Tal. And then we have four community meetups where we'll do sort of practices together. So find out more. It's going to be so sweet. Um, go to ramdas.org slash heart for more information, both for that free call and for the four-week course. So as always, whatever good comes from these teachings, may it benefit all of us in our daily lives and ripple out into the world for all beings. And as always, we thank the many hands and hearts and minds that have come together to provide this episode for us today. Uh, from our sound guys to our sponsors, to you for tuning in, and to all of those who donate. So if you don't already, please donate to ramdas.org slash donate. So here is Ramdas, here and now. Namaste and blessings. Now, we're not going to do the group tonight. You're all ready. It's all right, you'll be ready for the first thing in the morning. You'll be the first group on tomorrow morning. And you have the good fortune of being up close to hear the story of Hanuman and the story of the Ramayana. It's a great story. You'll like it. I think I can see it okay. I have a flashlight. This is a story that is so extraordinary. I, um, I can't believe your good fortune <laughs> that you're going to hear this story. Um, uh, this is a story that is, um, oh, I think I probably have enough. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, I know. Uh, this is a story which is, is the Bible for millions of people in uh, India, um, in which it's the story um, about Ram, who was um, that form that God took to come to earth during what was called the um, 
second yuga, which lasted 11,000 years. And so um, during that time, um, he ruled and then Krishna ruled during another yuga. And Ram was a, <clears throat> as you will see, was an extraordinarily uh, good being. And he was, he was really the formless that we've been talking about uh, that comes into this form. And um, you'll hear his story now. The story is told in the, in the Ramayana. Um, there are various versions of the story. The original story was told by Valmiki, who was known as the world's first poet. And Valmiki told the story by holding a little bit of water in his hand and seeing the entire story in the water and telling what he was seeing. So the story comes from extraordinary place. But the story in this book is also told. Um, in other words, what this is, is a story being told by two beings, one to another, about two beings telling the story one to another, about two beings telling the story one to another, about Valmiki holding the water in his hand. So really, it is Shiva, the god Shiva, telling his consort Parvati the story about two crows which are telling the story one to another, about two wise beings, two sages telling the story one to another. Now, at one time, you've got to understand that the way that God comes to earth is in three forms, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Brahma is the creator of the universe. Vishnu once, and then Vishnu comes, and Vishnu is that which preserves the universe and takes care of it. And then Shiva is that part which is concerned with its dissolving back into formless. Now, there was a yogi by the name of Ravana. Ravana was an extraordinary being. Ravana was a very, very high yogi, and he had done a lot of tapasya, or a lot of spiritual practice. Ravana was very unusual from our standards because he was a demon. He was a rakshasha, it was called. He was strikingly handsome. In fact, he had 10 heads and 20 arms, and each head was incredibly beautiful. He had big mustaches and sparkling eyes, and he was, uh, he was a very good yogi, and he did, um, he did sadhana to Brahma. And each time he did the sadhana, each time he did the spiritual practice, at the end of it, to show his total devotion, he would cut off one of his heads and offer it. Right? So he had done sadhana nine times offering nine of his ten heads. And he came to the tenth time, and he was about to offer the tenth head when Brahma appeared and said, you're so devoted. You're really so good. Nobody else is offering their heads. You are so good. What do you want? See, and that's what you always hope will happen when you do pr practices, that God will come and say, look, you're so good. I'll give you a boon. What do you want? So Ravana said, what I want is complete power over all the worlds of the gods, all the, the hell realms, 
he mentioned all the realms he wanted power over, and the only one he, the ones he neglected were the animal and the human ones, because they were kind of trivial. And um, so Brahma said, so be it. And so then he had this incredible power. Now, Ravana was a very high yogi, and he had all this power, but he also had an incredibly big ego. And once he had this power, he was in very wild. I mean, he had all the gods so upset in heaven. He upset all of their, all of their wonderful rituals and all of the things they had going. They had it all so together up in heaven. And he screwed everything up so badly. And he ran his scene from Sri Lanka, right? That was his stronghold, Salon, okay? So... Um, the gods were so upset by Ravana that they went to Vishnu, to Narayana. They went to Vishnu and they said, Vishnu, you've got to help us out because Ravana is really screwing up everything for us and we need your help. And Vishnu says, well, I don't know what I can do because he's got power over the gods and I can't take away a boon that's been granted. And so they thought about it and they, Vishnu realized that they hadn't said anything about the human and animal realms. So Vishnu said, I'll tell you what I'll do. To help you out, I'll take birth as a human, and then I'll do in Ravana, because he doesn't have power over that realm. Okay? So they were very pleased about that, and they all went away really happy. Now, down on Earth, there was a king named Dasarat. He was a very wise old king, Dasarat was. And Dasarat, the only thing was that he hadn't had any children, and he wanted children very much. So he got his, his priest, Vishwamitra, to do a sacrifice to the gods in order to get children. And Vishwamitra was a very, very good um, guru and did a very good puja. Now, King Dasarat had three wives. That was sort of the way of things in those days. He had Koshilya, who was his first wife. Then he had Kakai, who was the second wife. And then he had Sumitra, who was the third wife. So <clears throat> the puja was done. And then, as a result of the puja, down from heaven came the Amrit, the Soma, the semen, the, the, the nectar. The nectar came, and it was collected in a bowl. Okay, this was the nectar. This was actually Vishnu's seed, you understand? And the king divided it. So he gave half of it to his first wife, Kushilya. And then he gave a quarter of it to Kukai, his second wife. And then he gave an eighth to his third wife, Sumitra. And then he gave her another eighth. So in due time, well, in due time, Kukai had a child that was called Ram. Kushalya had Ram. Kukai, the second wife, had a child called Bharat. And the third wife, who had had an eighth and an eighth, had two children, Lakshman and Satrugna. Okay. And these were four amazing young princes because Dasarat was a king, so they were princes. And they grew up and they were... He took such good loving care of them, and they were such good kids. They were wonderful. I mean, they, they were wonderful archers. They could, 
debate beautifully. They were served their father nobly. They were loving to their mothers. They were they were just essence young princes. And um, Ram was the first one born, the eldest, and he had a quarter of the nectar. <clears throat> so they grew up, and they um, they. They didn't know who they were. I mean, they didn't really know that they were God come down. They just thought they were nice princes. Okay. And, um, but some of the uh, holy beings out in the woods, the jungle, they knew that these young princes were who they were. And they came and they said to the king, could, these kids were only about 15 years old. And they said, could we borrow them? because uh, there are demons that are upsetting our fire ceremonies and we'd like your sons to come and help us. And so they went out and by the time they were 16, 17 years old, they had already done incredibly wonderful things for everybody. Came time to get wives. And they went out uh, to, and there was an extremely beautiful wife who was the wife, the daughter of King Janaki, King Janak. And um, in order to win her hand, the suitor, whoever it was, would have to break a huge bow that was, had been Shiva's bow that had come to earth. And nobody could even lift it, let alone break it. And so all these wonderful princes and kings came to court Sita. And they, the moment came and they all went and they... <clears throat> and they couldn't lift the bow, but you can guess who lifted the bow and broke it. Ah, Ram. So Ram broke the bow, and he won Sita, and Sita was very delighted because she was rather turned on by Ram anyway. So it all worked out, and um, she had, uh, you know, there were three other sisters, and they married the three other brothers, so everybody was really, everything was perfect. I mean, this was such a perfect kingdom. You just can't imagine how perfect it all was. So, um, now, Dasarat's getting very old, and he decides it's come time. In India, at a certain stage, when you've been out in the world for a long time, and being a good family person, and your kids are grown up, then it's time to let go of the world and start to do inner work. And Dasarat decided it was time to do inner work, and so he said to Ram, my dream all my life has been that you, Ram, would become the king. And so tomorrow we're going to have the coronation ceremony and you're going to become the king. Ram said, yes, father, if that's what you'd like, of course. Okay. And everybody was incredibly excited. I mean, flowers covered the city. It was just a very, very beautiful and exciting moment. However... The second wife, Kakai, who was a, basically a good person, she had a maidservant, Mantra. Mantra was uh, wicked. Mantra was, um, she, we need her for the story, of course, but <laughs> she was really bad. And she said to Kakai, she said to Kakai, look, you know, if he makes Kashilya's son the king, you know what's going to happen the minute Ram becomes king. He's going to take your son, Bharat, and he's going to send him away. And Kakai says, don't be silly. They love each other. Ram is like a son to me. And 
mantra kept whispering in her ear poison about the fact that her son would be rejected by Ram. And mantra got to Kakai. Now, some years previously, Dasarat had been in battle and he had gotten badly wounded. And Kakai, the second wife, had come to him in the battlefield and healed him. And at that time, in such appreciation, he said to her, I will give you two boons, meaning two promises. I'll do whatever you want. She said, I'll collect them later. Okay. So here she is with two boons in her bag, right? <laughs> the poison in her ear the night before the coronation. So she goes to Dasarat and she says, Dasarat, he says, yes, my dear. She says, do you remember those two boons? He says, of course I do. She says, well, I would like them now. He says, whatever you want. She said, well, the first boon is that I want Bharat, my son, to be king instead of Ram. And the second boon is I want you to send Ram off to the jungle for 14 years because she wanted Ram out of the way. Dasarat said, this will break my heart because my dream has always been that Ram would be the head of my kingdom. She says, I don't care. It's what I want. And he said, well, a promise is a promise because he's a king and kings must keep their promises. That's the way kings do it. At least they did then. <laughs> so Dasarad called in Ram. He said, there's been a slight change in plans. You're not going to be a king. In fact, you're going to the jungle as a hermit tomorrow. And Ram said, whatever you say, sir, because see, he's so good, he'll now be a perfect hermit. He doesn't care. I mean, he'll just be perfect, whatever you put him to, as long as he's doing Dharma. He just, he's, he does Dharma. He's just a being that is a statement of perfect Dharma. He's always appropriate. He always does what is deeply appropriate. So his wife Sita comes along and she says, uh, Ram, I hear you're going to the jungle and I'm not going to be a queen and I'm going with you. And Ram says, oh no, that's out of the question. He said, it's very dangerous in the jungle. There are snakes and serpents and there are wild animals and uh, it would be very, very dangerous. She said, look, a wife's position is with her husband and I'm going. That's that. Now Lakshman, see the two sons of... Um, Sumitra. Lakshman was very, very dedicated to Ram and Satrugna was very, very dedicated to Bharat. Lakshman was absolutely the perfect brother. He was always protecting and always walking with Ram, always protecting him. So Lakshman, of course, was going to go with Ram. So the three of them set out the next day. They put on hermit's garb, skins and they let their hair go long and ashes and so on, and they went off to the jungle. All this time, Bharat was away because had he been around, he never would have stood for this because he loved Ram so much. When he came back, he was furious, and he went to his mother and he said, you've done something terrible, and he went running after Ram, and he found Ram at the edge of town, and he said to Ram, You've got to come back. I mean, this was a big mistake. Ram says, the die is cast. I've got to do this. Our father has promised. He's got to carry out his promises. 
and Bharat says, well, I'm not going to sit on the throne. So Ram says, here, here are my sandals. You go back and put them on the throne, and then you just run the whole thing. You be my prime minister. So Bharat said, okay, I'll do that. So he went back to run the kingdom for 14 years, and Ram, Sita, and Lakshman went off to the jungle. Now, they're in the jungle, and they're doing good deeds, and they've set up a little sort of... Um, a very beautiful little house uh, with a thatch roof, and it's really kind of nice, and it's very scary, but they're doing well. <laughs> now comes the interesting part. You all with me thus far? Okay. <clears throat> now, Ravana, he's been back in Sri Lanka just causing trouble everywhere. And he's got hundreds of wives and big palaces and it's a wild scene back there, I'll tell you. <laughs> They're all demons, you know, and they drink blood and they, 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 they fight in the square and they, you know, they rip buffaloes apart and they do all kinds of fun things. And um, <laughs> not the buffaloes at the uh, park, however. <laughs> So Ravana, in his highest mind, he looks around and he gets a look at Sita. Now, you've got to understand who Sita is. Sita's not just Janak's daughter. Sita is, first of all, she's married to Ram. So she is, Ram and Sita become the Shakti, the formless and the form. They become the two parts of God. So she, in a way, is the energy or Shakti of God. That's the one part she is one way of understanding her. The other is that she is very, Ram is her guru, so she's very devoted to Ram. And she's extremely beautiful. And Ravana decides he wants Sita for his wife. In other words, he wants God's wife. He wants God's Shakti. He wants the energy. He wants it all. Now, Sita is surrounded with Ram and Lakshman so Ravana's got to be pretty creative about this. So he sends for Maricha, who's a magician. And he says to Maricha, I want you to think up something that we can do here. So Maricha says, well, I don't think you should do this. This is not cool at all. I mean, everybody kept telling Ravana, don't screw around with God's wife. I mean... You know, any other woman you might be able to win over with your 10 heads and, you know, 20 mustaches, 20 arms, but don't, because he got all his heads back, by the way, after he did the puja. He not only got the boons, he got his head. So <clears throat> I neglected to tell you. So um, at this point, um, uh, Ravana insists, and Maricha says, well, I could turn myself into a deer a beautiful deer, and um, so what he did was he turned himself into a deer, beautiful deer with jewels all over him, radiant deer, and he galumphed by the campsite where Sita and Ram were, Lakshman. Sita looked at this deer and she said, see, because attachment to sense experience, because that's her, that's, this is the this is the beginning of the whole problem. Watch this. See, now watch. Because <laughs> Ravana represents worldly desire, right? So, um, 
Robin is very arrogant. He thinks he's everything. I mean, um, in the United States, we had somebody like that. It was Nixon was a little like that. That same quality of uh, just incredible um, denial of truth, just everything he wants. So um, the deer goes galumphing by, and Sita says, I want, oh, Ram, would you get that deer and bring it to me, please? And Ram says, of course, my dear. And he says to Lakshman, Lakshman, don't let Sita out of your sight. Got it? <laughs> and Lakshman, Jai Lakshman, Lakshman stands guard over Sita while Ram goes off to get the deer. As soon as Ram disappears, Maricha, the magician, turns his voice into the voice of Ram and starts yelling, help, help, Lakshman, help, Lakshman, come help me. Sita freaks. Sita says, something's wrong with Ram. Lakshman, go help him. Lakshman says, I don't think that's a true voice. I think we're, something's wrong here. I'm not leaving. She says, you leave, you go, go help him. Now, there are two versions of this book. In the very devotional version, she just, by, she just persuades Lakshman to go gently. In the modern version, she says to Lakshman, if you don't go, I'm going to tell Ram that you um, made a pass at me. And I mean, it blows Lakshman's mind because Lakshman is so good a brother. He has never looked above her ankles yet. He's never even seen her face. Okay. And that, that's pretty good, you know. I, that's what you think about it. <laughs> so what Lakshman does is he draws a sacred circle around Sita and he says, promise you will not go out of this circle and you'll be safe. She says, oh, I promise. Just go help Ram. So he draws the circle and he goes off to help Ram. The minute he's out of sight, Ravana comes, but he's disguised himself as a Brahmin, as a Brahmin priest. And he says, Mataji, Mataji, you have some food, you give me some food. See, and it's very important, you must feed a Brahmin priest. I mean, everybody knows that. So, so she says, just a minute, sir. And she goes and she gets food and she prepares the food and she goes, and she can't step out of the circle, but she goes and she sticks her hand out to give him the food. The minute her hand is out, he grabs her hand and he pulls her out of the circle. He calls forth his aerial chariot, jumps into his chariot, and he starts to take her back to Sri Lanka. Now, the plot, as you can see where we're going now. Along the way, Sita keeps dropping things to leave clues, like she drops her earrings and her anklets and her scarves and things along the way. And at one point, this beautiful, beautiful vulture, Jatayu, um, who's a very dear friend of Ram's, and he's thousands of years old, Jatayu, and he comes along and he uh, takes on Ravana. He says, Ravana, don't do this. This is absolutely against Dharma. It is a mistake. Ravan is very arrogant and says, out of my way. So Jatayu takes on Ravana and 
he fights him and they fight until Jatayu, who's a very old bird, is blinded and then Ravana goes after him and Jatayu is left dying on the ground. And Ravana goes and he's a beautiful, wonderful, dedicated, devoted vulture. <laughs> okay, now Ram comes back with Lakshman. Imagine how he feels when the circle's empty. I mean, imagine how Lakshman feels. And Ravana, Ram and Lakshman are absolutely bereft by what's happened. Just, they just feel absolutely terrible. And um, they start looking everywhere for Sita. Now, I must suspend the story for one minute to give you another bit of information. Shiva, remember, Shiva was telling this story to Parvati, his, his consort, his wife. And... Um, and he tells the story about Ram coming to earth, and then he says, you know, I'd really like to be there to watch the whole thing and sort of help Ram out. And Sita, uh, Shiva, had at one point been at a, um, a party with Narayana, who was kind of a poet, um, rascal, fool kind of character. And um, Shiva had played a trick on him by um, putting an animal's head on him and making him think he was very beautiful. And then he went and he sort of made a fool of himself. And he got so upset, he said to Shiva, you will, I, you're going to take a birth as a monkey. He gave him a, um, a curse. So Shiva said to Parvati, look, I want to go down and help Ram. And since I've got to run this curse through, I'll get down as a monkey. So he got himself born. And the way he did it was this Anjani, who was this uh, incredible uh, monkey goddess. She was kind of walking by the river. And suddenly, Vayu, the wind, uh, blew her skirts up. And Vayu, uh, um, Vayu who was Shiva, uh, implanted the seed and then immediately Hanuman was born and she didn't know what to do with him and where he came from so she left him in a cave and um, he was a very unusual monkey and he uh, he was very hungry and he looked up and he saw this this red, big red fruit and he decided he wanted to eat that and he took a leap to get it and he created all kinds of havoc because it was the sun it turned out and uh, and they had to in heaven Indira, Indra had to hit him, uh, or the, whoever was protecting the sun, was Indra, uh, gave him a hit, and he fell to earth on his chin. And um, so he was also under a, um, a kind of a curse that he didn't know his own strength. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know he was Shiva. Ram doesn't know he's Vishnu. All right, now we're ready for the story. To proceed. So... Ram and, and uh, Lakshman are really looking everywhere for Sita. And they come across this uh, Brahmin who says, tell, us what your, tell me what your problem is. And it's actually Hanuman in disguise. Ram tells them the story and Hanuman says, you Ram, I've been waiting all my life to meet Ram. And he shows that he's a real monkey. And he's very dedicated. Hanuman has come to earth just to serve Ram. 
Hanuman is so devoted to Ram that he is like your breath is to your body. He is known as the breath of Ram. He lives so close that he is an example of the way in which when you totally dedicated yourself to God, you have all the powers to serve, to do everything that you need to do, as you will see in a minute. Okay, so Hanuman takes Ram and Lakshman to the monkey king, and the monkeys and the bears uh, are all gathered, and they all are delighted to have the opportunity to help Ram find Sita. And there are a lot of episodes which we will skip at the moment. But what happens then is the, they go off in four different directions. And Hanuman is with the group that goes south. And Ram sort of, um, Ram says to Hanuman, here's my ring. If you find Sita, if anybody finds Sita, give her this ring so she'll know that you're a messenger from me. Okay, they go down to the... Um, The south group goes down to the coast, to Rameshwaram, which is right on the ocean, on Indian Ocean, just on India's side, just before you go over to Sri Lanka. And they're all deciding it's quite a distance across to Sri Lanka, and there's no bridge, and they're trying to decide who can get across there. And Jambavan, the old beer, says, well, I used to be able to do it, but, you know, this is like, I don't know, 100 miles? But I've gotten kind of old, and, and nobody knows wh who can do it. And then the king of the bears turned towards Hanuman and he said, listen, O mighty Hanuman, how is it you're keeping Mun, a son of the wind god, you're as strong as your father in a storehouse of intelligence, discretion, and spiritual wisdom. What undertaking in this world is too difficult for you to accomplish, dear child? It is for the service of Sri Ram that you have come down upon earth. In other words, he's telling Hanuman who he is. The moment Hanuman heard these words, he grew to the size of a mountain with a body shining as gold and full of splendor as though he was another king of mountains. Roaring again and again like a lion, he said, I can easily spring across the ocean. Okay? And then he said to the other monkeys, suffering hardships and living on bulbs, roots, and fruits, Wait for me, brother, until I return after seeing Sita. I'm sure our object will be accomplished as I feel very cheerful. Okay. Then he um, climbed up on the mountain, and I'm going to read you about Hanuman's leap. In his mind, Hanuman had already crossed the sea and entered the demon city. He climbed one of the hills to get firm ground under his feet. He began to fill up with power. He grew very large and heavy, and his tread pressed down the hill and crushed the caves of serpents. Out from the underworld came the richly dressed Nagas, the serpent kings, bruised and hissing, their hoods spread wide. In their anger, they rolled on the ground with tongues flaming. They spat fire and bit the rocks in passion. Their venom cracked the hill, and gleams of red metal and stone shone from within the earth. Hanuman climbed higher still. He neared the summit. His feet squeezed water from the hill. Rivers tumbled down. Rock slides rolled. 
Fresh, bright, fresh, broken veins of gold sparkled. Tigers ran off and birds flew away. Tree spirits fled and in their dens the wildcats yelled in a frightful chorus like the cry of the mountain itself through the voice of all the animals. Hanuman stood on the hilltop. He held his breath and sucked in his stomach. He frisked his tail and raised it a little at the end. He bent his knees and swang, swang, swung back his arms, and on one finger gleamed Ram's gold ring. Then, without pausing to think, he drew in his neck, laid back his ears, and jumped. It was grand. It was the greatest leap ever taken. The speed of Hanuman's jump pulled blossoms and flowers into the air after him, and they fell like little stars on the waving treetops. The animals on the beach had never seen such a thing. They cheered Hanuman. Even the air burned from his passage, and red clouds flamed over the sky, and Hanuman was far out of sight of land. That monkey was like a comet, pushing the sky from his way and bumping clouds aside. The wind roared under his arms and was pushed down from his breast as he passed and made the ocean pitch and roll. <clears throat> sea spray rose and steamed up the sun. Beneath Hanuman as he went, the green salt water parted and he could see the whales and fishes like people surprised at home. The air at Han around Hanuman became electric and sheets of light gathered and crackled, blue and pale melon, green and flickering orange and red. Okay, that's his takeoff. <laughs> now, halfway there, see, there's a, the gods are counting on this whole thing to happen because they got to get Ravana. So they're not sure Hanuman is really, I mean, he's only a monkey. Is he going to really be able to do this job? So they decide to test him. So um, the god saw the son of the wind god sweeping along, and in order to test his extraordinary strength and intelligence, they sent Suresa, a mother of serpents, who came near him and said, The gods have provided me with a meal today. She's down in the ocean. On hearing these words, the son of the wind god said in reply, let me return after accomplishing Sri Rama's errand and tell my lord the news of Sita. Then I will approach you and enter your mouth. I tell you the truth, mother. Only let me go now. See, he's really decent. She would not let him go on any account. Then Hanuman said, well, then why not devour me? So she distended her mouth to a distance of eight miles wide. But the monkey grew double the size of her mouth, 16 miles wide. She stretched her mouth to a circumference of 128 miles wide. And the son of the wind god immediately took a form covering 256 miles. That's a big monkey. Even as Suresa expanded her jaws, the chief of the monkey manifested a form twice as large as her mouth. When she further expanded her mouth 800 miles wide, the son of the wind god became very tiny, and he went into her mouth, bowed, and came out again. And she said to him, I've gauged the extent of your wit and strength, the inner errand for which the gods have dispatched me. You will certainly accomplish the work of Sri Ram because you're very clever. You're a storehouse of strength and intelligence. She blesses Hanuman and he continues on. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at Ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.